Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Ire, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. I have something very important to share with you this morning. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. He said, a sower got some seed and went about to sow. But he said, some fell by the wayside, some fell in stony places, some fell in the midst of thorns, and some others fell on good soil. And then he just said, he that has ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And then much later, he began to exegete and explain what he meant by all that he was saying. And he said to the disciples, describing the seed that fell in stony places. First of all, let me read that to you, verse 5, Matthew chapter 13, verse 5. It said, some fell on stony places where they did not much, have much earth, and they immediately, can you say immediately? immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. No depth of earth. Hallelujah. So, anyway, a lot to say about that. Verse 20, he explains. He said, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution, everybody read from, from that, for, for when, everybody wants to go. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So, mind you, take note of the word immediately and how often it's used here. He received the word of God immediately and with joy. And when tribulation came, he also immediately stumbled. Are you with me this morning? You see, a lot of people in our generation, church people I mean, are so easily excited. And excitement is great. We teach on joy all the time and excitement all the time and happiness all the time. In fact, that's one of the things I'm going to share on next. But if that's all you have, and you have no depth in yourself, when persecution and trials come, and they will, you don't get to choose if they come or not. They will come. It comes with the package. As long as you're on this earth, there will be trials, there will be tribulations. He said, have you seen people Good Christians, committed Christians, you hear them talk in a time of trial and you're shocked. He said, when trials and tribulations arise because of the word, he says, they immediately stumble. So there has never been a generation that requires fortitude as much as this generation. If you don't have depth and you go out there, you have troubles. You're not going to last. Because every aspect of the fabric of our culture is designed to be an affront to your faith. You have to understand this. It is becoming increasingly difficult to see a movie that does not have at least a hint of the Antichrist message. It's very, it's very difficult. And it's going to keep getting worse. Praise the name of Jesus. Do whatever you want to do. Sign petitions and all of that. But you have to understand. That's not really the prophecy of the end time. Can I tell you something? There is nothing you can do to stop darkness from getting darker. 
if you read your Bible well. The technology of the kingdom of God is different. In, our, in, in science, a place is dark, light shines, and then the darkness disappears. But the Bible says, light shines in darkness. And darkness, it, it, is it not interesting that you are still mentioning darkness after you said light shone? But it said light shined in the darkness, and darkness, this is the prophecy, that darkness cannot comprehend. It cannot overwhelm. It cannot defeat the light. But the darkness will be there still. Do you understand what I'm saying? So your only, the only wise thing for you to do is to check your foundation. Check your foundation. Don't just pay attention to the word. You will need it. Build your conviction so that in private and in open, you remain consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent. And more than ever before, if I was to give this sermon a title, I would call it heritage. You have to have an inheritance consciousness. You see, as a believer, you need to know what you have. This is not a fairy tale. This is, are you getting me? This is huge. What we've got in the Lord is huge. But what is happening in our generation is likened onto a person who received a great treasure and did not know the worth of the treasure. And so his friends, you know, just took the treasure and mishandled it. Maybe even misplaced it. Because he never really knew. Never really knew. Praise the name of the Lord. You have to know who you are. You have to know what you have. Don't feel ashamed for being great. It's great to be a child of God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Can I tell you something? When you go out there, pressure will push you to want to feel among. A lot of people would rather try to blend in than beg to differ. It's your destiny to set the pace of culture, not to blend with culture. Did you hear what I said? It's your destiny to set the pace of culture and not to influence culture. Virtually every trend you see out there is the product of your mind. You have one too. You have one too. Start thinking like an influencer. Start thinking like an influencer. Praise the Lord. Look at Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. I'm going to move on as fast as I can. You know, when it was time to climb up, Pastor Maya said, uh, Pastor, it's time. You know. But Outburst was singing so good. So I was like, give them time, let them finish. You know. Praise the Lord. Really proud of you guys. Shall I don't take time next time. <laughs> psalm chapter 1 from verse 1. It's a popular psalm. You know it. But more than ever before in this generation, you have to meditate on this. It says, blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Listen, I've told you that many times Bible writers write in a poetic manner. So when he's saying stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful, he's not talking about postures. He's just being poetic. By saying don't stand this way, don't sit that way, don't walk this way, he's saying have nothing to do with them. He's just saying that to emphasize his point. 
It's just like Joel saying, and uh, you know, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Something that that means that the gift of dreams is for old men and prophecy for young. No. By saying old men shall prophesy, dream dreams, young men shall prophesy, handmaidens will see visions. He's just saying nobody will be left out. Not young, not old, not male, not female. That's the point. So he's been poetic here. So when he says, don't stand in the way of sinners, don't sit in the seat of discomfort, it's not about the posture. He's just trying to emphasize, have nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, to do with this ideology, this philosophy, this manner of thinking, this negative but prevalent culture. The Hebrew word translated happy, or I beg your pardon, blessed, is esha, and it means happy. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Your culture has made you feel, you know, that the people of the world are the ones who are happy. And sometimes we even give God this vibe like, see, I'm sacrificing a lot for you. See all that I'm missing. You see all that I'm missing? But I'm here. Hallelujah. But God said, happy is the man. Oh, oh, that's happiness. This is, this is a word that is seldom used to describe religion in our day. Many people hardly associate anything that has to do with happiness to religion. Maybe sacrifice, maybe moodiness, maybe, you know, and then we were, they literally scared us into heaven. We received the message because of the fear of hell. But now, he's introducing the concept of happiness. Happy is the man. God doesn't just want you to be, you know, saved. He wants you to be happy and saved. Not only am I walking the path of righteousness, I'm doing it with joy, with happiness, with gladness. I'm happy. So, it's, a, it's an inheritance consciousness to know you've received something great. And to be happy about it. Some people think that salvation is about you exerting yourself in discipline to do the things that you don't like. And avoiding the things that you like. That's, some people, that's the summary of their Christian journey. That's not Christian journey. That's religion. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. That the influence of the Spirit of God came into your heart, overwhelmed you, took away the sinful propensities, and gave you a desire that is Godward. And so he says, set your affections on things above. You can regulate your affections now. Because it's Godward. Do you understand the difference? So now, I read my Bible because I like to. I pray because I like to. You know, just yesterday evening, I was with Pastor K, and I was telling him something very interesting I saw from my Bible study in the morning. You know, and we said, oh, wow, we just talked about it briefly. That's, you see, it filters into our conversations, our casual conversations, because I, I like the Bible. If you guys were not here, I had no one to preach to, I would still read my Bible as fervently as I do. Are you listening to me? I read my Bible. I love to pray. I love to worship the Lord. He has put that desire in you. That salvation. He has caused you to delight in his delight. Do you get what I mean? So that your passion and his passion have become consistent. Now that's salvation. See, that's my life. So the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant. I've given you this illustration a million times. I'll give it a billion times more. A merchant seeking goodly pearl, pearls. So he's likening the kingdom of heaven to a businessman. This businessman, he's not a church boy. He wants money. He wants to make profits. He has been dealing with pearls. He has quite a number in his life and in his treasury. 
But the Bible says he found one pearl of great price. When he found that pearl of great price, he ran and with joy sold all that he had. Listen, he sold all that he had, not sacrificially. He had the excitement of someone who had an opportunity that must not be missed. Do you understand what I'm saying? So a lot of people said, I have decided to follow Jesus. They are crying. It's difficult, but I've decided. No. Renew your mind. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant seeking goodly pearls. He found one pearl that outclasses all his other collections. And the Bible says he gladly and with joy went and sold all the other things he had to get that one pearl. That's the kingdom. So even from a business term, talking about profits, talking about economics and business, it says if you lose all you have to gain the kingdom, it's still worth it. You made profits. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what he's saying. What does it profit? This is a, these are financial terms. What does it profit a man if he gains? Profit, gain? You've heard those words in the classroom, haven't you? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Oh, you mean there's a way to live forever? What do I do? What do, what do I sell? Oh, only believe. Oh, that's it? Well, if you believe, some of your friends, they won't want to be close to you again. Sir, we're talking eternal life. You're talking friends. We're talking eternal life. We're talking friends. What else? That if you sold all you had to gain the kingdom, it would be worth it. You know, now you're hearing this and you're like, oh, I believe this. This makes a lot of sense. But what if you were put in the practical situation to test what I'm saying? Can I give you an example? The young rich ruler. <laughs> Let's be honest. How many of you have thought about that story? And in your mind, you're like, Jesus, self. Ah, ah. Be honest. Can you raise your hand? My hand is up too. <laughs> you're using laugh to cover. Raise your hand. Even. Thank you for your honesty. Some of you, you lie even when they're not catching you. You have thought it. You have thought about it. <laughs> Hallelujah. The pastor said he has raised his hand. You still. <laughs> but this guy came to Jesus and he said, oh, What can I do to have eternal life? Of course, you know what Jesus would say normally. But he saw a guy who was trusting in efforts, confident in his own skin. That's, that's a good thing when it comes to sociocultural behavior or interaction. But when it comes to salvation, that's bad. And so Jesus said, oh, well, you know the law. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. And then he said, all these things I have kept since my childhood. Luke 18. And so Jesus looked at him and said, well, one thing you lack. So uh, Jesus' point was to say, don't say you've kept. There's something lacking. And gave him a simple test. Sell all you have. Now this is a young, successful fellow. Sell all you have. Give arms. And you shall have treasure in heaven. And then you can follow me. And the Bible says, the next thing, just imagine the film. You know, there are some movies, they don't show you the person's reaction. They just show you where the person is after. 30 minutes later. You know, have, you seen, have you seen memes like that? You just see the guy on his way home. All these men of God, you know, everything, everything, money, money, money. And some of us, till now, secretly, we still don't get it. Like, Jesus, why would you do that? And you're thinking, maybe Jesus was a little unfair. Let me flip the scenario a little. Let's say it was Dangote. 
you're a young entrepreneur and you want to follow Dangote. And then you say, what can I do to follow you? And he says, sell all you have and follow me. <laughs> uh, wh what are you going to do? <laughs> he said, sir, <laughs> selling will waste time. Can I throw it away? <laughs> can I? <laughs> if I start selling it, you might have gone before I come back. Can I? Let me just open the shop. Let everybody take what they want. So it turns out it wasn't about Jesus or his fairness. It's just about our perspective about who he is, what he's worth, and what he can give. You see that? We have placed a limit on God, who he is. And what, I mean, it makes total sense to Dangote. Like, start afresh, let me build you up. But when it comes to Jesus, many as, are not as trusting. But he says, happy. Happy. This is, this, is, this is the subject of trust. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There is some advice you shouldn't listen to. Ideologies. Don't listen to their ideology on marriage, on sex, on how to dress, on how to behave, on what language you should use to communicate with people or how you should respond. You know, as a believer, someone steps on your toes and then, you know, there's something we used to do in secondary school. People begin to push you, not literally, but with their words to fight. They say, eh? He said, your mother, in fact, many times they are saying the things the person did not say. He said, ah, I cannot take it. <laughs> you know, I cannot take it, it's okay. They will now be speaking for you. Ah, you cannot take it. <laughs> he cannot get away with this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And some of us have spent the rest of our lives trying to make an impression to people. I mean, that's what matters the most to us. Some of us are even depressed when our pictures don't get as much likes as we anticipated, maybe on social media. I, I'm talking real stuff. Praise the name of Jesus. Whereas there are many more people who see what you're doing, they like it, but they're just haters. They will not click. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You do it too. <laughs> Hallelujah. So now or later, you will have to learn to be secure in the will of God. In God's plan for your life. You know the irony of things. People are more likely to believe in people who don't care if you believe in them or not. <laughs> Just be consistent with your life. Make sure you are making progress. Then they will believe in you. Don't, don't care. I can, I'm challenging you. Stop caring. When you stop caring, then they will start believing in you. Because people, don't, people want to be associated with success. They don't believe in you for motivation. They are, they are too self-centered to do that. You have to understand that. The carnal man will only celebrate you when he has no other choice. Left to him, he's the one that should be celebrated. He can't celebrate you. Uh, you know, it has to be a symbiotic thing. Either you celebrate him, you know, tits for tats, and uh, praise the Lord. So, what, what's my advice to you? Mind your business. Follow God's plan for your life. Work hard, do well, move on. Praise the name of Jesus. That's just on a side note. Happy is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Meaning you are not like that naive SS2 student that had his friends 
motivating him to do something stupid. You know, in, in the university, I was watching. And some guys who used to form big boys, they were in the other block. And I was just watching them one evening. And there was a mirror. And some guys were just taunting this boy and telling him, you cannot punch this thing. <laughs> and I was like, no, he's not that stupid. He won't do it. And then they kept, you got punch, you, you know, if you do them. I, I witnessed it myself. And then the guy was moving back and doing like, I said, is it? Is this a trick? Is he about to do it? And blah, 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 blood everywhere. I said, oh my God. Peer pressure. Now, some of you, you say, ah, to that. But you're doing the same thing. Yours might not be as blatant and as obvious, but it's still as stupid. You care too much what people say. You beef too much. Someone told me, someone, you know, when we talk, he would tell me about my last post, and I keep wondering, you don't follow me. So that means to know, you go to your search page, you search, I, you know, it's an occupation on his own, too. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He punched, you know, and I saw him days after with a bandage on his hand. He's in school, but he can't write. I said, this is, this is so, this is, Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Some of you, it happens in your relationship. Some of you had problems in your relationship because of that friend that doesn't like... The person you're dating is okay. You were okay. But the person will now come and say, ah, they got you a gift for your birthday. You were okay with it. Ha, ha, ha. Is this gift? Bangul. Bangul for your 21st birthday. Hey. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know, my wife is not here, so let me say something. It's going to put me in trouble, but I'll say it. And I remember when we were talking, when we were dating, we're just talking about our See how silent people are. You like just. <laughs> We're just talking about what we believe in, what we don't. And I'm like, I'm not really into the Valentine idea. You know, I was trying to be romantic. That I, I, I don't need a special day to demonstrate love and all of that. And she was like, I get your point. <laughs> and then the day came. And our friends started receiving gifts. I'm posting it online. <laughs> and then we were strolling that afternoon. And our face was moody. I said, what? <laughs> I said, what's the matter? And the rest is to be reserved. <laughs> Long story short, I now buy Valentine gift. <laughs> Don't worry. She will tell you her own version at the next young free. But that's the way I remember it. Hallelujah. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Do you know what it means to be a scorner? People who make it their preoccupation to make jest of religion. They're making jest of everything. Making jest. Nothing is sacred to them. 
There is nothing they can't joke about. Always suspicious. Always, you know, just a negative mind about everything. It says, don't sit with such people. Praise the Lord. I'm not asking you to be naive. I'm asking you, someone who has that preoccupation all the time. You know, there were some young guys, young ministers of the gospel. They came to my house, and for four hours, they were talking about men of God, from one man of God to the other. And you know, you know my stand. I stand for the truth, but I said, this one is different. This is not the kind of friendship I should keep. For us... Nobody suggested we prayed. No one suggested. No one brought any text. We didn't. Just the one man of God to another. Ah. And I was quiet. They didn't even realize the awkwardness. So when they were done, I said, ah. Never again. Praise the Lord. Happy is a man. Say thank you, Jesus. You know, but <laughs> but this is the part that I want to talk about now. <laughs> In a few minutes, I'll touch on this and then we'll move on. He says, he talks about the righteous. He says, they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth their fruit in due season. His leaves shall not wither. And whatsoever I do, it shall prosper. Then it says, the ungodly are not so. But they are like chaff that the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You know, now, maybe as a young teenager, you're reading this, and you're like, wow, I believe this. This is awesome. Then you grow up and you get in your office and they try to get you to compromise, to steal money with them. You refuse. And so they sideline you. It's been three years now and you have not been promoted. And the people who can help them do all the wrong things they want to do are being promoted every day. Come on, you know what I'm saying. The ungodly shall not stand in judgment. Lord, I believe your word. But have you been to Nigeria? Do you read the papers? They are standing. Oh. They are standing everywhere. Do you get what I'm saying? These are real issues. Real issues. You are a decent lady. You love the Lord. But this guy in the office who has a lot of money and has the influence to, you know, make your career path easier and faster, he's taunting you, you know, and all of that. You know he doesn't like you. He just wants to have his way with you. And then you say no, you take your stand. And maybe the, the other ladies in the same industry that are compromising. It looks like they're making progress. They're changing hair every now and then, wristwatches. Then they buy a car. Caption, small girl, you said it. <laughs> Hallelujah. And all of this is in your face. And you know the lady that is having all these privileges, you find Pasao. Like, it's now as if, if you decide, you know, it's just, it's just like Satan telling Jesus, why go to, go to the cross? He said, this moment, do you know there are people who tempt like Satan? When they tell you, I can give you five million now. 
So Jesus looks at all the journey, three and a half, the pain, the suffering, the cross, and Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Do you know there are people who are that powerful? And say, if you will just bow to me now, I will give you this, this, and that. Do you want to understand what it means to walk away from that? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, not, not tomorrow. This is a checkbook. This is the pen. The signature, in fact, is blank. Write your name. <laughs> Don't forget what we're talking about, what we're talking about. If you have not built the fortitude for things like this, when you experience what I'm saying, you may be shocked at the outcome. Praise the Lord. If temptation should meet a believer unprepared, you'll be amazed what he he would do. So what do you do then? You are a guy and someone offers you there are some some things I will say later. (laughs) Much later. You know, but fast money Fast money. Just do this, this one deal, one deal. One deal. One billion. Let's go. And maybe you were like, no, 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 no. But there is this guy you have been competing with on social media. And you're like, if I do this thing, it will end the rivalry once and for all. Hallelujah. So, well, the question is, God said, the the ungodly shall not stand in the day of judgment. But what happens when they stand? (laughs) Where they appear to be getting away? What what do you do when God appears to be slow? Have you ever felt God is slow before? I know you guys are religious people. You you don't know what I'm talking about, have you? (laughs) You know, there was a man who visited our family, and I, I saw one of his hands was a prosthetic hand. So I couldn't just help. I was curious. So when he left, I asked my mom. I said, what happened to him? And my mom started the story by saying, mm. You know, when an African mom starts the story by saying, mm, just know you're about to hear something. And she said, this fellow, he was on his way from church, driving home. Someone was impatient, you know, wanted to overtake him. There was some traffic, wanted to get in his front, and so he refused. He just moved. And so the guy parked his car, came down with a gun, shot him on his arm, entered his car, and drove off. Mind you, he didn't hit his car, he didn't hit his, there was no accident. He didn't exchange words with the guy. So he just came down, shot him. You know, so you have to understand his entire family, his children were in, this, in the car. They saw it. So now they were fighting for the man's life. You know, rushed him to the hospital. You know, and then when you see things like that happen, you're like, they must be caught. They must be caught. They must be caught. And then two days pass. Then five days, then one week, and one month, and six months. One year. And then you now have to come to the terms with the fact that this guy really got away. Do you know how difficult that is? Some of you have an idea of what I'm saying. So what exactly is David talking about? Do you understand my question? He said, the wicked are not so. They're like shaft blown away by the wind. But you see some of them lasting many years, getting bigger. Why isn't God acting? Well, there's something else you should know. Praise the Lord. There is a character that God has. First of all, you have to understand 
The Bible tells us in 2 Peter 2 and the entire book of Jude, the entire book of Jude was a doctrinal argument on the judgment of God. And what does he say? He uses judgments in the past as precedence and assurance that judgment in the future is sure. So he began to give you examples, angels that kept not their first estate, you know, he destroyed the old world, you know, he talked about Sodom and Gomorrah, he talked about all these things. So he's saying the precedence, the examples of the past, she let you know that even though now judgment lingered, do you understand my language? Judgment lingered, it is still setting. The fact that it's taking time does not mean it won't happen. Why is it taking time? I hope you will like what I'm about to read. First Peter. Did I say first Peter? Second Peter, chapter 3. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. Second Peter, chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, for one day is with God as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack. Notch the person by your side gently say, the Lord is not slack. Let's be honest. Some of us need this word. This is refreshing to you, some of you. The Lord is not slack. Do you believe that? He's not slack. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but his long-suffering. Listen. There is a difference between the long-suffering nature of God and slackness. He is not slack. He is long-suffering. Understand the difference. So sometimes you are giving people the chance just to do better. Not because you can't punish them immediately, but because you still believe the best in them. Sometimes people do things to us and you want God to just rain brimstone on their head once and for all. But sometimes when you re remember who you were also, you are now glad God gave you some time and kept sending people to you to preach the gospel. Think about the epistles. Remove the contribution of Paul alone. Just Paul. Just Paul. What else will be left of the New Testament? Not much. Not much. Are you with me? But think about this Paul. This, this guy was an accomplice to one of the greatest crimes against the church. I'm not even talking about his trip to Damascus that never happened. I'm talking about the fact that they were killing Stephen. Stephen was a great guy. Innocent guy. He did nothing wrong. He preached with conviction. The Bible says they beheld his face like the face of an angel. He preached in such a beautiful way. And these people in their religious arrogance, they couldn't take it. They picked up stones to kill. Do you know what it means to kill someone with stones? Sometimes we just speed read these things. We don't picture how devastating this thing is. To stone someone to death. Do you think it's beans? It's not something you want to witness. That you stone someone, he falls to the ground, and you keep stoning until he dies. Until the stones, I'm not talking about he fainted. He died from stoning. And the Bible says, the people who were stoning him, they were moving their, their, their overalls, you know, and they were dropping with, with a guy, a guy called Saul. So even if Saul was not actively stoning, he was right there helping them keep their clothes. Just imagine what it would have taken for Jesus to watch that execution take place. Don't you think that he's more compassionate than you are? It cost him more. It cost him more. He could have rained fire on all of them immediately. Trust me, he can. <laughs> People who say he can't, they have not read their Bible well. I said it. 
you know, he can. But the Lord is not slack as some count slackness. Verse 9, come on. Who is sleeping on this thing? That's how you know people that sleep during the service. He says, but his long-suffering to us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? So listen, even the greatest murderer deserves a chance. This is not something to revolt about. We're talking about you. He gave you a chance. You think about it. And so not only is God long-suffering, this long-suffering we're talking about is a fruit of your spirit too. So you also have the ability to give people a chance. Even wicked people. Trust me, what I'm saying is not as easy. You can only do it by the Spirit of God. I watched a clip where someone, you know, one young man was hugging a lady that killed what relative? Was it his mother or something? His brother. And was like, I forgive you. Do you understand? I, can I be honest with you? It took me a while. It took me a while. I was like, I was like, even me and myself, I was like, wow. Like, at least go to prison two years. Then I'll forgive you. <laughs> we get like that sometimes. Because the pain of losing something or someone because of the selfishness or irrationality of another person is not easy. But that's the spirit of God. So, so now, I'm explaining what is happening in the world. God is literally watching. He sees all the wickedness. He knows it's a win-win for him. Stephen is going to a better place. If he had killed Saul, it would have affected all of us. All of us. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And sometimes we fail to see from God's perspective. We just want the judgment now. So what is David saying? David, say, David when he says, the wicked shall not stand in judgment, he's saying no matter how much time they waste in wickedness, on the, as far as the earth realm is concerned, God gives a lot of them a lot of time. But ultimately, they will still stand before him. And in that courtroom, their bribe will not be accepted. They, are, you know, they cannot talk their way out of it. But the truth is, they also have some time to repent. He has given them time to repent. Be okay with that. And see from David's perspective and also be okay with the fact that there is a judge, an ultimate judge. He cannot be bribed. And when he gives a verdict, they cannot whisk you away irrespective of the judgment. When God tells you the wicked shall not stand in the day of judgment, believe it. Hallelujah. When he tells you they are like shaft blown away by the wind, some of them by their own actions, it will happen even before the end. Even before the end. As fast as they rise in prosperity, they, just, they, they, they never build character, you see. And so now I'm going to end with this. Are you satisfied with that? The fact that it will take you 70 years to be vindicated on every side. I'm saying 70 years on average, maybe, maybe more, depending on your age. If, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it is in the next life that you will really be vindicated. So someone with a kind of mind is saying, what then is the use of God now? If people are going to keep doing wicked stuff to me and he's going to keep being long-suffering, what use is there of God now? 
We live in a generation that cannot wait. If God is not providing now, if God is not judging the enemies now, what kind of God is that? I remember preaching to a bold driver with my wife, and the guy told us unequivocally, he said, any God that cannot give me money, what type of God is that? You know, and then someone might see it from this perspective, oh, God is good, he blesses, mm-mm. That's not what the guy is saying. The guy just told you money is his God. And anybody that can give him money will become God. And we spoke to the guy (laughs) for as much time as we could. A lot of people have that idea. A lot of people have that idea. So how can you be happy like David describes irrespective of the ungodly, what they are doing, and how they appear to be thriving. They have the semblance of prosperity. Well, let's look at that and we close. We look at four texts and we call it a day. Praise the Lord. Are you learning anything? Psalm chapter 16. Listen. There are many things that we value now that were not valuable before in our culture. You have to understand we didn't always agree culturally that slavery was wrong. America fed off slavery to build their economy. For a long time, they imprisoned and tried to execute the people who stood against slavery. The same thing happens. So, you have to have an objective perspective of value. Now you have the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that in him you ought to be happy. The ungodly people think they're happy, but what you have is true happiness. And you're like, dude, is that really true? I don't always get as much money as they do. Am I really happy? They get away with some of the wrong stuff they do. Am I really happy? Oh, yes, you are. And you're like... What then is there to be happy about? Remove your eyes from the material stuff. Let me tell you something. You can never truly be perpetually happy. Except your focus is on things that are immovable. Did you hear what I said? Even the best businessmen, they make mistakes sometimes. They've made mistakes are you with me? And so if you don't have the fortitude to stay, I've, I've said it time and again, I heard the, the story of a guy, he lost some money and lost his mind. The moment they told him, your business has crashed, he lost his mind immediately. A lot of people have their mind vested on material things too much. Some people, a boy breaks up with them, they are never the same again. Never. Never. You know, it's just like the story of lobsters. I told the story in Abuja. Lobsters have their brains. Their, their, their brains are external, you know, exoskeleton. And then their claws, you know, they, from their claws and their size, you can tell how many victories they've had in life and the size of their brain. So when two lobsters are fighting, maybe for a house, for house space, what we're calling house is just under a rock or something, you know, and they're fighting. If a lobster that had been victorious before loses, do you know what happens? He, he becomes brain dead. The brain dies and a smaller brain develops. Because you see, 
That big brain cannot accommodate failure. So when it fails, it can't take it. The brain dies. And a smaller brain, better suited for that defeated lifestyle comes. I'm talking science, true life. Science. Do you know that's what happens to many people psychologically? They fail and they never recover. Never. Their shoulders are down, their head is down, their moral is down. Can I tell you something? You cannot influence the, the culture of the, the decisions of people. Has, has it happened to you? There is this family member you love and you want him to do better, but he is as if he's bent on proving to you that there's nothing you can do about what he's doing. At some point, you have to understand it. The privilege of foolishness is, is a right, a human right. It's true. Everybody has the right to be foolish. Let me put it to you. If the person you are dating chooses not to continue with you, there's nothing you can do. Are you listening to me? It is safer to have a mentality that is strong and is not totally hinged emotionally on another person. You can't control people's choices. Are you listening to me? The simple thing I'm telling you is why many people are depressed. Do what you can do. Be nice to people. Trust in favor. But if people choose to be stupid, they're going to be stupid. And when things go wrong, stand up. Go again. Go again. Refuse to be defeated. Are you listening to me? Some people fail one business. They refuse to try again. That's not how to live. Place your trust in Christ alone. Look at Psalm chapter 16. I'm going to move on as fast as I can. Psalm chapter 16 verse 5. David speaking. He said, the Lord is my what? Is the portion of my inheritance. He sees the Lord as an inheritance, a possession. I've got Jesus. He's my possession. I've got the Lord. He's the portion of my inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintained my lot. Not only do I have an inheritance in him, my inheritance is preserved and maintained. This is a mentality, a perspective to have in life. Sometimes people tell you, what do you have? Have you ever had to respond, I've got God? I've got Jesus? That's something huge. Even the Jews think that way. They say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a possession. It's a mentality. So Abraham had something. When he was going to die, he passed it on to Isaac. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about cars. I'm talking about a blessing, a relationship with the true God that you can raise your children in his knowledge, in his light. When Isaac was going, he passed it on to Jacob. I'm talking about something money cannot buy. He said, the Lord is my inheritance. He's the portion of my cup and of my inheritance. He said, the lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Listen, you listen, a lot of the people in that time, their wealth was in lands and property. All right, so the divine land, you know, okay, from this stick, from this tree to that tree is your land, and this is my own land. And so he's seeing the dividing lines of his portion of his inheritance. He says he's goodly. I have a goodly heritage in Christ. Not only do I have an inheritance, it's a good inheritance. What if you have this mentality going in the world? I have a good inheritance. Nobody can make me be ashamed of my position, of my faith in Christ. 
I've got a heritage. I've got an inheritance, a good heritage in the Lord. He's the portion of my cup and of my inheritance. He has maintained my lot. Hallelujah. No matter what anyone thinks, a relationship with the Father that he, he can speak to you. I, I will never lose the wonder. You know, I was hearing a testimony. Pastor Mike was telling me his younger brother was here the final day of CCC with his best, with, with one of his friends. They were here for the first time. He had a boil on his hand. I laid hands on him. He fell under the power. He got up, looked at his hand. Boil had disappeared. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, do, what do you think this is? What can you pay for that? Eh? Hold on to your God. Because no matter what anyone says, a treasure is a treasure. A treasure is a treasure. They might not know what to do with it, but it's a treasure. If you're like me, I can't tell gold from yellow. <laughs> I don't know. If you're wearing it on your neck, I don't know. I don't know. I can't, I can't tell the difference. But gold is gold. So if I see what you're wearing and I don't appreciate it, it doesn't drop in value. Do you get, do you get what I'm saying? Talk like David. In fact, you have more to boast of. You, you, you carry the spirit in your heart. In your heart? Oh, that's big. That's big. Are you with me? I'm training you to walk tall, with your head tall in your generation. I can never get over this thing. Never. Never. Praying for a lady last week. Saw by the Spirit. There's so many terrible things that demon spirits have made her do. Wrong decisions and choices. But I also saw the power of God. That's so why I said, I, I, sorry, can I pray with you? In five minutes, I'll be done. <laughs> Praise the Lord. What, what, what do you, how much can you pay for that? We were done in three. Say, the Lord is my inheritance. He's worth more than gold. He's worth more than silver. And I'm not even talking about, maybe because now devil's healing, all those things are great. Just the knowledge of him. Your relationship, that's sacred. That's huge. That's huge. Mm. And so Jesus told Martha, I said, you, you are cumbered about many unnecessary things. Mary has chosen that good path. And what she has cannot be taken away from her. So he has a, a possession perspective to the word of God. That as I'm teaching her, she's receiving something that will never be lost. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about the, having an inheritance perspective. Martha, Mary is receiving something that will never be lost. Paul said, I commend you to God, Acts 20, 32. And the word of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. All right. Two more texts and we're done. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 13. Listen, no matter where you travel to in the world, you travel for your masters, you travel to work, remember these words. There are people here. The Lord made me preach this morning because of you. You need to be prepared for where you're going. You need to hold on to it. Because you will find yourself in a culture 
that doesn't know Pharaoh. Oh, Pharaoh favored Joseph. Oh, that's great. We don't know him. Do you get what I'm saying? Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words. Tap the person by the and say, hold fast, hold fast, hold fast. Hold the word of God. In 2020, hold fast the word of God. It says, which thou was head of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing, you know, everything I said, I said leading up to this. <laughs> it said, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in you. That good thing. So there's a good thing in me. Hallelujah. I've got something. And it's good. So, so he's saying that good thing, keep by the Holy Ghost. He's talking about the possession. You have an inheritance. You have a possession. He said, keep that good. I like the fact that he said that good thing. It just sounds good to me. Oh, that good thing. Keep it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Queen, that good thing, keep it. Jazz priest, that good thing, keep it. All right, all right, all right. That good thing, keep it. No matter how many years from now, I want to see that fire. That, you know, the same way the pastor is talking to his trainee, his disciple, that good thing, no matter where you, you, you find yourself walking in 10 years, 20 years, let's see that favor. Don't let it be lost. Ore, can you hear me? That good thing, Gideon. That good thing, keep it. Tell the person by your side, say that good thing, keep it. Hallelujah. That favor you developed at the reboot camp, keep it by the Holy Ghost. All the trainings you've been receiving in this church, keep it by the Holy Ghost. Keep it. Hallelujah. Did you learn anything? Please rise to your feet. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000 Blessings <music>